Well, good morning, Cypress Bible Church. It is good to see you this cold morning. Hopefully you got started up better than your car did. <laughs> it's Houston. Our cars feel it. Our bones feel it. But it feels like Christmas, doesn't it? And today we're going to be taking a look at peace. And I have to confess, um, I just love the Hedick family, known them for years. I almost feel like I don't even need to preach. Amen? I mean, isn't that just beautiful to see how the peace of Christ just transforms and transcends understanding? So if you um, have been following along with our booklets, we're in the fourth week on peace, page nine. Um, hopefully I'll be able to provide some nice slides for you uh, that you'll be able to take some good notes and walk away uh, remembering what was said today. Uh, that's very common after a sermon. Um, it's not just that you're getting older, but you can listen to a 30-minute sermon, and an hour later you can say, what did he even say? So if that's you, you're normal. Don't feel guilty about it. But allow the Word of God to minister to your soul today in the next 30 minutes. Um, let's take a look at God's peace as we're going through Advent. Um, remember that we've gone through uh, these, this is now the fourth week. We've gone through hope, love, joy, and peace. And now on Saturday night, Christmas Eve and Christmas morning, we'll light the Christ candle. Why do we do these themes? It's explained in the booklet, but simply, as one comes to faith in Christ, he is our hope. And then he comes into our hearts and he brings his love. And that love then produces joy. And that joy, then, we know that we are at one and at peace with God. And that feeling of peace then comes into your soul. And it's all because of the work of Christ. And at, at the scenes that we're going through through the book of Luke, we see all of these themes taking place. We see the hope of the prophets prophesying the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Savior. And then we see the love of God on display. We see the joy that takes place. And today we're going to see the peace as a result of Christ incarnating, coming in human flesh. So if we're going to talk about peace, we have to talk about the absence of it first to kind of hook you in, because you might just be sitting there and say, oh, I don't need to hear this message. No, you do. 49 million people a year are being prescribed Xanax. Um, it's a muscle relaxant. And it will take away that feeling of anxiety and fear. Um, anxiety affects 20% of the population. And we're not just talking about, you know, feeling uncomfortable. We're talking about, you know, a, a real kind of nervousness. You know, I remember my father, who I love very much, but he smoked three packs of cigarettes a day. <laughs> Can you repeat that? <laughs> and so, whoa, yeah. And, and, and so... I have had people say to me, what did they do in the old days when they didn't have all this prescription medication? The answer is simple, they smoked and they drank um, because it would calm your nerves. And, and my dad, when he didn't have a cigarette, he would shake, just shake. Um, and so people have a lot of anxiety and we all, and, and today with the internet and social media, the biggest fear that people have socially today is fear of missing out. FOMO. People don't want to be left out. And so wherever you go, there's fear in our lives. There's anxiety. And what you see in Scripture 
is this continuum. You have fear over here, and you have faith here. And as we move towards faith in Christ, fear subsides. So you see it like in Mark 4, 39 and 35, when Jesus says to the, to the wind and to the sea, he says, peace, be still. Then he turns to his disciples who are, you know, they've just survived a hurricane on the Sea of Galilee, and so they're a little anxious. They're all kind of like huddling together, trying to keep each other secure. We can make it, we can make it. And he says to them, not, oh, you poor guys, I'm so sorry. That was a really rough ride there. No, he says, why do you have no faith? In the face of their fear, his response is, you don't have faith. And so fear and faith are always on this continuum, and they're always at opposite extremes. So I love the Eagles, one of the greatest rock songs of all time. I get a peaceful, easy feeling, and I know you won't let me down because I'm already standing on the ground. Just great music. If you don't like it, I'm so sorry, but it's just awesome music, right? The lyrics are great. The melody is great. But we're going to dissect this because here's something you need to do. In all good art, all good music, you will see the redemptive threads of God there. It always points to the scriptures. So he's saying that he wants to have this, this sense of ease, that life should have ease. It should be peaceful, and it should be a feeling that you, you can... You can feel in your, in your soul. And he says, and I know you won't let me down. Okay, so peace is tied to being in a loving relationship with another person. And I'm standing on the ground, meaning I'm anchored on it. Okay, so here, let's see where this goes through our scripture for today. Luke 2, 14 through 20. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So notice right there, the subject matter here is the birth of Christ, a loving person who has come to earth, and he is on earth, and he won't let you down. Luke 14, or uh, 16 to 20. So they, the shepherds, hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, so many of us in this room and who are watching online, we know these words. We hear these words every year, but we forget them. And how pleasing and satisfying the birth narrative of Christ is to us. Allow us today to see things in it that will continue to transform us, to grow us spiritually, and that we will be men and women who are, who are moving closer and closer into just deep faith and away from our fears. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Okay, I want to look at verse 14 here because it talks about the word peace. And Tony, um, last week when he spoke on joy, we ended here um, because, you know, verse 14 is such a, a great verse. Um, and it kind of splits the narrative there. Glory to God in the highest. There's the joy. And I just want to focus on the last half of verse 14. On earth, peace, goodwill towards men. So this verse is very much misunderstood. Very much misunderstood. And I'm putting up here just the translations over the last 250 years to let you know that it's a troublesome verse to translate, okay? And you would think, well, this is a simple verse, and it should be clearly understood. It's, it's a proclamation of the angels. Remember that. It's a proclamation. It's not a wish on humanity. It's a proclamation, meaning God has come. Rejoice. And the Prince of, and who has come? The Prince of Peace. Remember we talked about the hope message? about Isaiah 9 and Isaiah 7, and who was going to come? The mighty God, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace has come. And so, you see the Greek up there. Um, I'll, I, I mispronounce almost every word that I'm not familiar with. Um, no one speaks Greek out loud unless you go to Greece, right? So, if you're, if you're Greek, um, I was in Greece this year, and I said a few words to our Greek ta taxi driver, and he looked at me like I, you know, couldn't pronounce anything. Um, so in the Greek, it's epeis eron en anthropos edukias, right? Edukias, right? Which is, is, is the, the last word there, we're going to talk about it. It's a made-up Bible word. The Greeks didn't use it. It comes out of the Septuagint, explaining Hebrew words, which basically means God's good pleasure. But, so it's a, it's a made-up Bible word. I mean, it's not made up, but the Greeks never used that word. And so what you have there is you can see epe is to mean upon, and then you've got the word earth. It, so it's, it basically says, upon earth, peace, to men, God's goodwill. So here's how we've tried to translate that. On earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Now, First thing is, people go, well, what about the women? Calm down, calm down. The word there, anthropos, means mankind, okay? Humankind, right? Mankind is just an abbreviation of humankind. So the intention there is for both genders to receive God's goodwill and favor. So, so it's not just towards the male gender. But you see how on earth, peace, goodwill toward men, meaning all humanity. Right then, um, in the 1950s, peace upon earth among men of goodwill. Right, so the only people who get the peace then are men who actually are good people. Right, Hitler need not apply. Putin need not apply. You don't get this peace. You're bad. Right, so you can see how that can be a misinterpretation. Then you see in the um, um, 1980s there, on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. That, that, that's the continuation from, from 1611. Then the fourth one down, on earth, peace among people with whom he is pleased, 1977, the NASB. The NIV is very close. It came out in 78. So see what they did there? 
they, humanity or man becomes inferred, right? No longer man, humanity. So now you just have to know we're not talking about dogs and cats and lions and tigers, but, you know, peace on earth among people whom he pleased, right? That's where it goes. It's people, right? Then lastly, in 2001, he get, we get rid of men altogether, right? On earth, peace among those whom he is pleased, right? And it changes at the end on those whom God is pleased with. Okay, so here's where this is, this is going. Let's unwrap it. One, God has taken on human flesh and he's on the earth. Okay, that's, that's the first thing you have to say. God in the flesh is on earth. That, that's your first point of interpretation. Not that there's this wave of peace that's always gonna be all over humanity and there's no more wars, there's no more conflicts. Every husband and wife agree on everything that's before them. Right, so the husband can come home and he, 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 he wants steaks and potatoes, right? And his wife is just gonna know this and she's not gonna try and like have chicken and broccoli. No, it's not the cessation of all conflict and commotion in life, that's not what it means. It means that the Prince of Peace has landed on planet Earth, peace on Earth. Second, it could mean peace over the Earth, right? that it's, it's a proclamation to all mankind that we now have the free offer of the gospel, right? Before Christ comes to earth and takes on human flesh, man doesn't know how he can have peace with God. Now that he has come, it's now being freely offered to all people, okay? So, so see how it's kind of, kind of a both and. And I love the, the carol, it came upon a midnight clear that, clear, that glorious song of old, Angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. Peace on earth, goodwill to all men. From heaven's all gracious king. Meaning, this is an act of God the Father's great grace to humanity. That he has now told us how we can have peace with God, relationship with God, right standing with God. And this changes history, splits it right in two. Right, when you look at your calendar today, it says December 18th, 2022. But why does it say 2022? What happened 2022 years ago? This did. God landed on earth in human flesh. Peace on earth came. Before 2023 years ago, peace wasn't on the earth. Jesus hadn't landed yet and he came by a miraculous delivery system. The same delivery system you and I came into this world. He was born of a woman. It's remarkable. So here's where we misunderstand things. Great song here by a great band, but he's struggling with why there's war, right? This year we've had to watch Ukraine blow up, and, and, and it seems like every year there's always some new conflict in the war in the world, right? There's some war somewhere. Peace on earth, here at every Christmas time, but hope and history won't rhyme. So what's it worth, this peace on earth? It's a beautiful way to say it there in the third line. Hope and history won't rhyme, right? And, and so when you look out on the world, right, the hope of God is that we have peace on earth, but God's promise of peace on earth 
isn't rhyming with the history that we see, does it? No, we see all this conflict continue. And so it, it, it can cause us to like be distressed, but we have to remember the interpretation, right? The peace on earth is that the Prince of Peace has come and he has walked on this earth and his peace with God is available to everyone if you trust and believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the Prince of Peace. So let's just define the term. It's the absence of, more than absence of quarrel and conflict. It arrives when a demand has been satisfied. See, it points to the atonement. There's only one way you can have peace. The first guy I worked for in the ministry, Clyde Godwin, he was hilarious um, at Christ Community Church. And when we were, and, and we, there was so much chaos at that church of 3,000 people that we would jokingly refer to it not as Christ Community Church, but Chaos Community Church. You should laugh at that. Um, and, 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 and so what he, so, uh, so I would say to him, Clyde, how is this gonna re be resolved? And he would say, brother, someone's got to die. Because that's how Jesus brought peace, right? How did Jesus bring peace between God and man? He had to die, right? And that, that is a part of discipleship, folks, right? You get peace, someone's, someone's got to yield. Someone's got to give something up. And so you see the verse there from Colossians. God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell bodily in Jesus, and through him reconcile the world to himself by making peace through his blood. That's why Jesus had to be born of a woman. He had to have human flesh. He had to have human blood for that blood to be sacrificed to cover our sins. Only by the shedding of his blood, only by his work on Calvary, can we truly have peace with God and peace in our hearts and the removal of fear. So let's continue this. God, peace on earth isn't an existential concept like Bono and you two commented, right? It's not some existential concept. Oh, okay, we're all gonna get along now, right? Remember Rodney King in the LA riots 30 years ago? What did he, what did he lament? It was a beautiful lament, actually. He said, why can't we just all get along? Why can't, why can't we? And it's because we're so full of sin, we're so full of fear. Only Christ can remove sin and remove fear. Xanax can't do that. All Xanax can do is relax your muscles. And it feels good for a little while, but then the fear comes back and the anxiety comes back and your muscle, muscles will twitch again and you'll shake. The invisible God has become visible and places peace in our invisible souls. You see, that's the connection. God became visible in his ministry, the invisible God became visible so that he can minister to our invisible souls. Don't miss that. That's the linchpin of Christ and his ministry. Peace must be received by faith. It's not gonna be achieved by human means. It's only gonna be achieved by God. It, to, to bring peace between man and God and to bring peace between men on earth, it's a divine work. It's not a human work, right? So, and it was only earned by his atonement. So only he can make us at one with God and at one with each other and to be in peace. This is a great quote by Paul Tripp, which is kind of a takeoff on Augustine's quote. 
Um, he says, your restless heart will only find rest when it rests in the person, presence, and promises of Jesus. If you're using your, your, your workbook here, that's a good one to write down. Um, you, can, you can quote that to your family around the dinner table Christmas Eve. Um, remember we talked about that word goodwill? Well, you know what goodwill really kind of means? It means God's ordaining will. And the person who understands God's good ordaining will is the one who then fulfills the second commandment. What's the second commandment? To love your neighbor as yourself. Right, when Jesus summarizes the Ten Commandments. So if you know what God's good ordaining will is, that motivates you then to show good will to your neighbor. Right? It's God's will for you to be good to others. Now you can only do that if you have received the favor and the goodness of God. And so when, when the announcement says peace on earth and goodwill towards those whom he has his favor upon, you can rightly interpret it that it's towards those who believe. It's not primarily towards those who don't believe. The goodwill, the favor, are, is resting upon those who respond in faith. And that should motivate us to proclaim the good news of Jesus, to put Christ back in Christmas, right? Not back down from it. Like everywhere you go, every restaurant you go into, everyone that you pass in the hallway at work, Merry Christmas! No happy holidays here. Merry Christmas. Christ has come into the world, and I'm going to celebrate that everywhere I go. Amen? So the word there for goodwill really means favor. It means grace. And see, that's the whole point here is Christ coming into the world. It's all of the gospel. You can't disassociate the incarnation from the atonement. You can't disassociate him taking on human flesh and him dying on the cross. It's all one. It's all the gospel of Jesus. Gospel meaning his good news. The good news is that God has come into the world. He has landed on earth and he has brought peace with him because he is the peace of God. He is the prince of peace. And he is here for you. He is here to take fear away from you. He is here to bring you into right relationship. And therefore, our response should be like the cast that we see here in the Luke narrative, right? What, how do the angels respond to peace on earth? They rejoice. How should you respond to the good news of Jesus Christ? Rejoice. How often should you be rejoicing over the goodness of Christ? All the time. It doesn't stop. Did the angels stop rejoicing? No, they went back to heaven. And what did they do when they got back to heaven? They've been rejoicing for 2,022 years. Right? When you think in your daily life about Christ and Him coming, your response should be, Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Rejoice. The gospel is true. How did the shepherds respond? Exuberant amazement. They were astonished. They couldn't believe this. It says that the angels appeared suddenly to them, right? Imagine being out in the pitch black. You ever go out to New Mexico in the middle of the night? <laughs> it's like black, dark, and you look up, and there's the whole Milky Way. And that's kind of what it's like for them. 
And then all of a sudden, and that's why I, I chose this image, uh, is they were, they were kind of scared, right? All of a sudden, the whole host of heaven, you know, appears to you out of the black night. They were, they were astonished. They were amazed. They've never seen, no one's ever seen anything like this. No one's ever seen anything like this. And the mere fact that he would appear to humble shepherds means that he comes to the humble in heart, right? He didn't go to Rome. He didn't appear to Caesar. He didn't appear to the rich. He didn't appear to the billionaires. He appeared to the humble, right? Those are the ones who Christ calls. Those are the ones who God favors, is those who are in need of him. Jesus said that I did not come to heal those who are well, but to come to heal those who are sick. Meaning, sick of spirit, needing to be renewed, needing to be refreshed, knowing that you can't make it on your own in this life. Mary and Joseph, she pondered. I really think that this is one of the most beautiful things ever. So you see here in these cast of characters, gospel astonishment. And you should be astonished over the gospel every day. I still, every day, I, can't, I just can't get over it. Really, Jesus, you died for me? Why would you do that? Why would you come down from heaven and save a wretch like me? I just can't get over it. That's just gospel astonishment. And that is what motivates us. And if you've never been astonished by Christ, why don't you just stop right where you are and, 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 and act like Mary and just ponder it. You know, isn't it interesting here that they're not told to go like and do anything, don't go fix anything. They're just like, no, just enjoy the moment. Just ponder it. Just worship him. That's when God changes you. Transformation takes place when you worship him, that you allow him to have his way with you. When you humble yourself like a child and allow him and receive him in. And that's the beautiful thing about Mary here. She just takes it all in. I mean, God is born through her. For a year, she had to feed him. That's a rather intimate thing to feed your child as a mother. And she knew that it was God. And so I love this hymn. It's been redone beautifully. Um, contemporized, but simply trusting thee, Lord, Lord Jesus, I behold thee as thou art, and thy love so pure, so changeless, satisfies my heart, satisfies its deepest longings, meets, supplies its every need. Isn't that beautiful? And we just need to rest in Jesus. Understanding the peace of God is just to allow yourself to rest in him, right? It's more than a relaxation therapy that the psychiatrist will tell you when you're struggling with anxiety, right? There is truth to it, though. To get over anxiety and fear, you need to kind of relax. It's the same for faith, right? You just relax. Allow Christ to satisfy your deepest longings, and sometimes you might have to sit there and allow him to have his work in your heart. It might take minutes, might even take hours. You might even have to do it every day. So after this takes place, eight days later, being good Jewish people, they take Jesus up to the temple to um, make an offering. Mother, Mary and Joseph do this. 
What else also happened on the eighth day of the male child's life? He was circumcised. Very good, you know your Old Testament. So they take him up there, and they thought there's this prophetess Anna and this prophet Simon, uh, or Simeon. Simeon, um, he's not a priest or anything, but it says the Spirit of God was on him. And so this is his song. Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the, the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Okay? He was promised that he would get to see the Messiah. He got to hold the Messiah. And the Latin of now I may depart is nunc dimittis, right? And, and it's well known throughout church history. And it's just referred to as nunc dimittis. It's that sense and feeling like, I can die now, right? Um, sometimes you might feel like, I feel it when I'm out in the golf course and I hit a golf ball and it just goes perfect and it goes 300 yards. The longest I ever hit one was 330, it was about 20 years ago. It had a good roll on it and it was slightly downhill and I was with my best friend. And I remember just saying to myself, if I never swing another golf club, I at, least did, I, I at least hit one ball right, right? It's that feeling, right? But then I go and I see the golf pro doing that every single time, and then I get envious, and then that sense goes away. And now I'm just envious, mad, and angry, right? And I find that golf is just a four-letter word <laughs> to me. Anyhow, so the guy here on the right is John Coltrane, and the greatest, it's considered, right, you may not like it, it's jazz fusion of the 60s, but the greatest jazz song, he was a saxophonist player, is considered his, his, his song, it's 32 minutes long, um, and the last part of it is called Psalm. And it's, you read his liner notes, that's part of his liner notes there, it's all about God being praised. And it's a love supreme, that's the name of the song, a love supreme, meaning the love of God. And it, it totally consumed him. He had drug addictions. His life was a mess. And after he left the stage in Los Angeles, not long before he died in 67, he, he left the stage and he was heard saying, Nunc Dimittis. Meaning, that's the greatest song I can ever make. And that's the best I can ever play it. I have fulfilled my call in this life. You can take me now, Lord. You can only say those words if you have met and received the Prince of Peace. And that's a beautiful thing, folks. C.S. Lewis said, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it's not there. You're not gonna find peace somewhere else, folks. It's only in Christ, there's no such thing. So if you're trying to find peace in all the wrong places, or think that you can supply your own peace in this life, you can't. You can only find it in Christ. And so we have to yield to him. And so, as we conclude with theology and action, I love this that Jonathan's come up with us, there's no real to-do list. I'm sorry, that might kind of like work against some of you, because you want to be told, hey, just go and do this, and you'll feel better about the sermon, right? That, okay, I'm, I'm doing something for God, he's gonna like me for it. No, here's what you do. Just rest. Receive Christ, celebrate him. 
If you really want to do something, in a minute here when we sing our, our last song, sing it really loudly, right? And don't sing it to the praise team up here. Sing it to the Lord. Celebrate Him. Allow the celebration that the Prince of Peace has come on earth, and He has goodwill, He has favor towards you. That's something to celebrate. And so let His peace be an indelible marking of your character and your conduct, because when the peace of God, when Jesus himself just soaks into your soul, you're changed. Your character changes, your conduct changes. It doesn't mean you're gonna be perfect. You're still gonna mess up. I do every day. And I'm, I'm thankful for people who love me because they'll correct me, and they'll even laugh at me and mock me when I don't do things right. And it's okay because I have the Prince of Peace. If you believe in Christ, you have the Prince of Peace. He will give you peace. He'll give you the peace to handle when things don't go right. So let us stand, and like the angels, let us rejoice and sing loudly because Christ has come, and he's come into our hearts. Amen?